With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. My favorite, it's Judd's Hockey Show. And welcome into Judd's Hockey Show. The morning after the uh, Wild beats the Winnipeg Jets 4-1 in their first game back from the, their uh, Christmas holiday break. Uh, Judd and Declan, and Declan, I'm going to start you with this one. So as you know, being a uh, a Christmas curmudgeon often, um, I am anti the length of this break because of two things. One is it sends it sends players home to be around family, which gets them sick, which again took place. But more importantly for me, I'm a curmudgeon about it because it often results in coming back with a terrible first game. You look lethargic. Like that's the thing about pro sports that I think people don't get. You get like two days out of the routine and it starts to it it can actually impact players. They they don't have their wind as much. They can they sort of lose their disciplinary functions. Um all of that being said, the Wilds four to one win against the Jets on Tuesday night in Winnipeg, in my opinion, was absolutely the perfect road game. I can't think of of more than a few things that I didn't like, but for the most part, it was absolutely textbook fantastic without some key players. I loved that game, Declan Goff. But okay, Mr. O'Malley. Okay. All right. Sounds I good there. Sound, sound, or Mr. Potter, I should say. Mr. Mr. Potter. Potter. I was quoting this uh, wonderful game. life. Okay. Uh, no, it was it was a really good game. It was a really, really good road game for them. I thought it was one of the more complete games they've had all season. Um I'll start. I'll kind of even start you here. I mean, Sam Steele with a with a huge game. He had a, he had another a big day, and that top line uh, continues to play pretty pretty well. Matt Zuccarello, you know, when we when we saw the initial contract, Matt, which by the way was signed from our guy Paul Fenton uh, yep. to start, and we yep. saw five years, and we saw full no move, and got off to a nice start the first half of his first year, but then completely declined. Um, and we thought, oh boy, you know, oh, I mean, a great player with New York, but this is going to be a tough contract to probably get the most value out of since then. I mean, Matt's has been phenomenal. He has lived up to that contract and more. Now yeah. it helps you. You finally were able to get your superstar over from Russia and Kirill Kaprizov. You pair a guy like Matt Zuccarello, who has always been around great town in New York with now a legitimate heart trophy finalist, you know, makes his, makes him uh, get a second life in his career, if you will. But that top line uh, was dominant yesterday, and I thought that was that was one of my main takeaways. That Sam Steele continues to play well, even though he's just plugged in the middle of those two, and Matt Zuccarello and Kirill Kaprizov continue uh, just to drive offense, which is impressive to see. Oh, whoops! I 
just put myself on mute for a second there. I apologize. Um, the other thing that I thought that, that really is starting to uh, stand out too, and this has probably been going on a little bit for a couple of years, but I think it deserves to be noted because there was a time where this was frankly never the case. So last night, you are without uh, Shaw, who is suspended yeah. for a couple of games. Duhame has been out with a UBI for a few weeks now. <laughs> Felino has an LBI, so he's out now. Yeah. Middleton was sick, all right? So despite that, mm-hmm. and that's a decent amount. You know, yeah, that's, that's four the, guys right there, the yep. some, some very important ones, um, including a defenseman who ordinarily is on the top pairing. Um, the organizational depth where you can call up a Beckman now, and he played well, yeah, where, he where you can summon Walker now, and he played well and, and had the empty net goal. The point is, for a long time, this franchise organizationally had no depth. The Iowa team was awful. They were putrid. They would call up guys, but they weren't good. And so, like, if you missed guys, you missed guys. Um, I think it's a credit to to what Fenton started and certainly what Bill Guerin has continued. And that is building depth where if you have, well, heck, in this case, four guys. But if you have a couple of guys out, it's not a death knell. And you know that the guys that you call up can actually step in and contribute, which I know sounds small because it's not like they, they play huge roles. But you know what? That's pretty damn important. And we got a few years where we saw when you just put a slappy in, it's a problem. They don't have that now, and I think as I watched them execute that game plan, I thought pretty expertly last night, I thought this is absolutely a key point of one thing that has shifted greatly with this franchise. I'll I'll rephrase it and say that, yes, they have better depth in their system than they did before. So I I think the wild teams, NHL teams, have always had depth. I think that, in in fact, they've, they've made shirts and they've even kind of mocked it a little bit. Um, that, that it's all about the depth here on the wild. To your point, the minor league reinforcements, yeah. the prospect pools, yeah. the those guys, organizational, organizational depth, depth yeah. has taken a significant step in the right direction. Because I mean, I I even mocked the notion this year that when the projection models came out and said, "Oh, the Wild are the deepest team in the NHL," like, well, well they got some depth players, um, but do they have enough superstar players to carry them? Um, now the Wilder starting to win some games, a little bit of yoke on my face from that. But to your point, I think they did a great job, Fenton too, Bill Guerin as well, for building that out. Um, yes. And and Fletcher, you know, I'll, I'll give him credit at sometimes at the trade deadline, you had to do something, but he he would mortgage any pick he could to get some type of little, you know, extra piece of bubble gum to chew on, so you can be distracted by the time you get to the playoffs and you were most likely going to get bounced in the first round. Um, that, that pay, that's going to hurt you eventually. I mean, in football, look at the LA Rams right now. They're, they might be bad for a long time because they have traded away all of those draft picks. And there is a time in my opinion, where draft picks don't matter and you have to pay the piper and pay the cost to get the acquisition that you want to make your team better. Uh, I understand that, but I think Garen and Paul Fenton, uh, have done a really good job at building out this depth here. And when you're stuck in salary cap hell too, Judd, that you, you need, to basically hit on a few prospects here and make sure they all count. Could could you have gotten last thing here? Could you, could you have gotten maybe more for Kevin Fiala? Maybe, maybe you could have gotten a little bit more, but you're still able to get a draft pick. Yeah, Brock Faber, who can potentially step in this yeah, March. It's a good trade. Um, it, it's in my opinion a good trade, and yeah. uh, and and that comes from from Garen realizing, hey, we got to build this out here and kind of 
and kind of try to absorb those nasty cap hits. They're going to hurt us for the next few seasons. Yes. It, it's also guys like uh, Walker is a prime example too, because there was a guy that was drafted by Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay actually tried to extract him, I think from the golfers after like his junior year, he said, no, went back. And then Tampa said, okay, we're sort of done with this. And so, so he hit the open market and the wild aggressively pursued him and got him. And I'm going to tell you right now, he is, and I don't know if it's because he was uh, playing in playing center with the golfers and now is at wing, but he is a better pro player now than he was as a senior in college. Uh, But I mean, that's guy that you didn't even draft Tampa Bay did. And so like this team has done a much better job now of mining free agents of getting guys that can plug and play of having guys who are prepared to play a role. And that is, so there are some things that Dean does that occasionally drive me nuts. Uh, But that being said, I think with those fringe guys who, who can be good contributors, they're not great players. Dean Everson, because of how he approached the game does a marvelous job of plugging those guys in. And they know that if they get plugged in, the expectation is not, oh, my God, I'm in the National Hockey League. Mom and dad, look at me. It is way more, no, I'm going to play on the fourth line, but I'm going to play. And when I play, I have to contribute here. Uh, Beckman stepped in last night. I thought he was, for that role, marvelous. He shot the puck. He wasn't afraid. He didn't look like he was playing his first game in the pro in, in the National Hockey League in a long time. He looked like a guy who knew exactly what he was assigned to do and did it without the hesitation of, I don't know about this. And I loved that. I think two things can be true with Dean Evison. Is he, you know, a Scotty Bauman, life-changing, game-changing NHL head coach? No, he's not. And is he a perfect coach? Certainly not. But has he exceeded our expectations of what he could be as an NHL coach? 100%. I mean, you even kind of mocked it when he got lifted the interim tag. Like, really? You're not going to go out and try to... Try to do a real search here to make sure that you have the right guy. Um, but but Dean is perfect for that. Do you think? I mean, I I love Bruce Boudreau, uh, but do you think Bruce would have the patience and time for these guys like Duhame and Shaw, and you know, sticking Adam Beckman on the fourth line to get these guys to play to their to the to their expectation, not to their ceiling? You know, Adam Beckman is a great player in Iowa, and he's scoring a lot of points. Is Adam Beckman going to be able to translate those points in Iowa to the NHL level? Probably not unless he's literally given an opportunity where there's injuries and all this stuff, but can he plug and play guys like Mason Shaw, like Sammy Walker, like Brandon Duhame, finding these guys that, Hey, these guys are really good role players. They might be better. They might be better point players in Iowa because of opportunity, but these guys actually can be plugged and played in the right roles in the NHL. And he is, in my opinion, Judd, one of the better puppet stringers at getting those players because of his experience of being one of those guys. You just opened the door for a conversation that is extremely intriguing. And I want to get to, to that in a second. But New Year's is coming, Declan Goff. New right. Year's is coming. And that means the that the Goff household is going to need to be stocked up on, on wine, on beer, on some very good mm. alcohol. Where will you be looking to get those purchases made before New Year's Eve arrives, Declan? I will go to Lake Ridge Liquors in Vadness Heights. It's in the North Metro. They're right in Vadness Heights off 694 and Rice Street. You get a right off the highway, a little roundabout to the right, to the right. And there's our guys at Lake Ridge Liquors. Yeah, that 40-foot-long whiskey wall, Judd. Plenty of Surly products, plenty of wine in stock. They got a little bit of everything at Lake Ridge Liquors. And when you sign up with promo code SCORE, S-K-O-R, 
They'll match your first deposit up to five bucks on your next visit. So you get a little reward system. Judd and I like to go to the liquor store a lot. So why 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 wouldn't you go? About. Why wouldn't you go and get rewarded uh, for going there? So go check out Lake Ridge Liquors off six ninety four in Rice Street and mention Score North when you check out. Just score. Code word score. Score. Score North. Yeah. I our, like guy, that. our guy Jared will 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 figure it out for you. I I like that. Or let's say that you are going to say, you know what? I'm not going to stay home. I'm going to ring in the new year by going out. But where can I go, Sports Dad? Where can I go to enjoy uh, a fine time as as the as the ball dropping approaches. I'm going to tell you right now, Park Tavern, St. Louis Park is the place to go because it's the official bar of Sports Dad. It is open 365 days a year. It's a great place to go to bowl. It's a great place to go to sit at the bar and watch the game. The food is outstanding. And here's the best part. If you are looking to put together a group event, so let's say that you're thinking to yourself, the hassle, Sports Dad, the hassle. I'm going to tell you right now, no hassle at all. Park Tavern can handle your group of any size. Just go to parktavern.net or call them 952-929-6810, parktavern.net to make your reservation. And you know what? Once you do, they will handle the work and you can, like Sports Dad likes to do, handle the fun. All right. You just uh, you just went down a very in- interesting path of, I think, why the change was made from Boots to Dean. And I think why Garen, who had no previous association with Dean, that was actually Fenton why he grew fond of Dean. And and it's this. And the answer to your initial question is no. I don't think that Bruce could get I don't think that Bruce could get in the same way from this group what Dean has. And here's why. I think when you watch Bruce coach, Bruce is marvelous. And this is why he did so great with the Canucks last season stepping in. Bruce is great at rallying the room. And I think Bruce is great. I mean he goes on these outstanding F bomb tirades, right? And I think Bruce gets your attention. And I honestly think guys love to play for Bruce because Bruce has a way. I think Dean is just a coach, but I don't say that in a bad way. I think Dean knows, to to your point, how to puppet string things. I think Dean knows how to get guys to play. I think Dean has systems in, in place. This is not to say that Bruce can't coach. It is to say I think there's a big difference. I think Bruce is far more of a motivational guy, which is great. I mean, if you watch Dean, and Dean has said before, I don't really like to go in the room too much. You know, I like it when my captain steps up. Um, so I think the answer to your question is a very definitive that for what the Wild is doing and wants to do, Dean fits f- far more because you're not looking, and Dean is not a raw raw guy. You are looking for a guy that can take the pieces and personnel and, and plug them into situations to be successful. I think Bruce was a guy who who attempted to rally the troops, which can work. But I, my feeling is that has far more of a quick shelf life than mm-hmm. what than what Dean is doing. And look, Dean still has lots to learn. You know, I thought the playoff series this last year was disappointing. Yeah, great point. Um, and I I would hope that he has learned from that, and we'll certainly see that if the Wild indeed get in the postseason, they're on a great run right here, so they're tracking to most likely be a playoff team, a lot of games still left to play. But um, but th- those are lessons you learn. I mean, you can apply that point, in, You're in, right. in, in all of life that, look, you, you failed here. You're really disappointed here. How do you be better for it in the future? Um, but I, I think in general, and that's where even when the Wild were off to a sluggish start this season, I didn't think it was coaching. I, I, I didn't think coaching was necessarily a lot to blame. Um, and so far, he's, he's done a great job. I mean, they could lose Kevin Fiala. I don't think they'll get to 114 points again, but they can certainly be a playoff team. 
And you can make a case that with Dean Evison losing Fiala, um, losing a lot of guys now with injuries, that he could 100% be a finalist for Jack Adams again or, or be a finalist for the award in, in general for this season for the amount of work he has done. Okay, that's a great point, too. And I think that's why the playoff uh, um, failure surprised me more. Yeah. Because I like I, I understand. So Dean wants to be hands off. Like he wants to think that things will fix themselves once he's installed them. But yeah, that can happen. And I think that can happen in the regular season at times. But I don't know that that can happen in playoffs. Like sometimes you, you have to just make changes. Um, and I will be very surprised if this team, which I think it should now, makes the playoffs. If they don't, if they repeat from behind the bench, those mistakes, because I would have thought that Dean would have done something quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his problem is, and it's not a problem because it probably makes him a good guy, but I think his problem is probably he he is loyal to a fault. So mm-hmm. like they got Flurry, he loves him, he's going to start him. And it's like at some point in time, you're like, he's not playing great, Dean. You want to try Cam? And and until, you know, I mean, by the time that Dean put Cam in, it was far too, too late, late. Yeah. way too late. And there were other things with lines. So so your point is spot on. But that's the thing that surprised me. And I do think that Dean is going if uh, if and when this team is in the playoffs, this team is going to have to and he's going to have to show that that's changed. Because that could be a red flag if mm-hmm. that ha- has not. But I do think he's doing a marvelous job coaching wise of getting I mean, the fact that they came back from that extended break and were that engaged and played what I would just describe as that professional of a game. That's damn impressive. Cause again, that's a game where a lot of teams take a siesta and are like, ah, yeah, yeah, we'll uh, get our legs back. And, and I mean, this, this team came out, I thought and played a, just a professional marvelous. It felt, it felt like they, they had played two nights before not had three days off or whatever it was. And against a really good jets team with Connor Hellebuck and goal. Like it, they didn't beat the Ducks, you know. They didn't beat the Sharks. They, 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 they played a pretty good Winnipeg team with one of the better netminders in the NHL, and and it showed up. The last thing on just the point of of winning and knowing how to do it in the playoffs, and I think Garen touched on this in the summertime, even with us um, before the season started when he joined this podcast and said, you know, well, if not now, then when, you know, and and how do how does this group get through that first round hurdle? Because I mean, they haven't made it through the first round in seven years by playing like they did last night. Correct. Like that's Correct. a playoff game. Mm-hmm. And I, it's not supposed to look good. And I it's think, supposed to be professional. I think with the combination of, of Dean learning things here and then Garen at the top of the GM, you know, making sure that room is correct, making sure the personnel is correct, that is just humongous. Um, you know, Paul Fenton made some good trades. Chuck Fletcher even made some some good moves, even though we ripped him a little bit at the beginning of this podcast. But I think having Garen there is is such a big difference maker, even if he's not the guy in the room and not initially the head coach, his presence and his experience knowing what it takes to be there as a superstar and what it takes to be there at the later part of his careers, I think will hopefully translate to these wild players that they can figure out a way to get out of the first round. Last thing, your favorite topic. What are we to make of Philip Gustafson, who again last night was damn good, man. He made he made two or three just great saves. Now, I will say this. I think that this team is being defensively responsible enough where where it now is the complete opposite of the first what three or four games where they essentially were hemorrhaging goals. But that being said, he played well. I was surprised he started. Uh, what do you make of him now? He's like, a good goalie. 
But I mean, he's better than I thought. I still mm-hmm. think he's a backup. But I mean, he is. Uh, I thought that there was a, a a marked difference, a noticeable difference at the start of the season uh, between Cam Talbot and Gustafson. Uh, it's closer than I thought. You mean Flurry and Gustafson? No, between Cam. Like if Cam had come back, oh, I guess I think Cam Cam would have played a lot more. Um, I see you're saying yes. No, I think that there is a. I thought they really went down. I mm-hmm. thought they went from Cam, who might have been a pain in the ass. I don't know. But the fact is, as a goaltender, I thought they took a significant step down. Um, I still think Cam's the better goaltender. I'm not so certain I was right, though. I mean, it's limited sample size here. But, I mean, in terms of goals against average, he's sixth in the NHL. and save percentage, he's 10th. Uh, adjusted goals average, which takes in a league, league average with, with, with goaltenders, he's fifth. Uh, this, is, this is great. And... and you know, if Flurry indeed does, you know, I know he's, I believe he signed a two-year contract and he's over 35 years old. So there's like weird cap ramifications if he retires and whatnot um, early on in that contract. But I, I think at least Gustafson buys you some time here to build around before Wallstead would be ready to be the Wild's number one goalie. And when you have Gustafson under contract for chump change right now, which is what they have him for like, I think a year, maybe, I don't know if he's a restricted free agent. I'd have to look that up. But you, you got a nice, young, controllable goalie. This is, it's, it's like a rookie contract with quarterbacks, right? Like you have, you have you're not overpaying no. for the position. You can build no. out the rest of the stuff. No, because you, you would never pay a goaltender in your Ever. life Ever. once he's off that contract. Ever. So, so this is you good. Would look at, you, you would look at Joe Burrow and say, hey, no. Joe, love you, but you're going to have to go play for the Oilers because we ain't going to pay you. Yeah. Can't do it. But yeah, he's been phenomenal. And now you can probably honestly just rotate these guys. I think, you know, if, if Gustafson so? continues to play well enough, um, come playoff time, it, it's another great decision of what you do. But Flurry probably gets the net because of his pedigree and who he is. Yes. But I, I mean, agree. when Bill Guerin, I think, said 60% starts or whatever it was with he us. Said 55. 55. This might be actually closer to 50 by year's end because um, he's playing so well. And by the way, in January, with no back-to-back home games for basically a month here, you're going to probably see Flurry and Gustafson split this net minding duties because they're probably going to play on the road a lot. They're going to have some back-to-backs here and there. Uh, this is good, though. It's not He's not a complete sieve like we kind of thought he was. He is a solid, reliable backup goalie, which is all you can ask for. Uh, and you you are correct. He is. Uh, he's He counts $787,000 against the cap this year. Uh, he is an RFA after this year. So, yes, he, you will still essentially he'll get a raise, but control him. All right, Declan, take us home, baby. We're done. All right, hit the subscribe button for daily Minnesota sports entertainment right here in the Score North YouTube channel. This is Judd's Hockey Show. Uh, of course, we have Purple Daily, which is daily Minnesota Vikings entertainment. We got plenty of Timberwolves and other related Vikings programming, sometimes some Twins comments uh, here on this YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button. Again, not if you have yours say we don't. No. I, I, I would like to talk about Carlos Correa still being on the market. My favorite subject. I, I, I would I would rather not. So uh hit the subscribe, pass shoot score, and we'll be talking. You know, to you. There's no room for petty bull.